Ben, can you uh, you doing video today or? Is it not showing up? I see Ben. You see his video or just see Ben? I see Ben video. Oh, uh, hop Again, Skype sucks. That's all I can say, Ben. <laughs> It sucks up big. We're not on live air yet. So uh, we, we are, are actually. Oh. <laughs> you are an iceberg. You are an iceberg. You're colder inside the outside than you are in the sun. You are an iceberg. These are an iceberg. You're melting away, coldly with decay, except for you once in the winter. Hello and welcome to the Fan Gamer Podcast. This is episode number 105. I'm your host, Garrett Rosa, with me today to talk about the awesome game for PlayStation 2 on our first game club of 2012. Matt Hawkins and Ben Kerrigan. I said both their names at once, so now they both can't talk. So, Ben, say hi. <laughs> hi. I think you said Benny Kerrigan. I think that's new. Benny Kerrigan. I don't know if I like that it. That could yet. be your jazz name if you ever started uh, jazz ensemble. Maybe. Benny Kerrigan. Maybe. Maybe. And and Matt, who's wearing? Are you wearing a, a fez shirt? I am wearing a fez shirt, indeed. And in fact, I forget if we did a live stream last time, but I was wearing the same fez shirt last time. But <laughs> it's la- it's laundered. It's laundered. It just nope. you yeah. know, it's yeah, comfortable. Sure it is. That's fine. That's what they can believe. <laughs> uh, we are uh, doing a live stream of the podcast on Twitch TV slash Fangamer. If you'd like to watch these things, they are sometimes funny, sometimes not. <laughs> uh, you can Twitter. That's the best bet. Twitter.com slash Fangamer. We put a tweet out there saying when we will be recording. Uh, but like I said earlier, today we're going to talk about Okami, a game club we've been looking forward to for a month or so. The, the community said, yeah, that's the game we'll get behind. Uh, it's going to be a longer show. Well, not a longer show, but we're going to do a couple of casts for it, three total. Uh, I'm excited because I've been playing it for a while, but before we get into that, I think we should get into the normal, uh, normal, you know, what's been going on, how you been doing. I know Ben's got a lot to talk about, so we're going to start with him, and he's going to tell us about MAGFest 10. Yes, the music and gaming festival up in uh, National Harbor, Maryland, which is essentially D.C., happened this weekend, and it was great. It was the, the 10-year anniversary of it. And geez, like they really did celebrate that a lot with like some of like the best guests they could have ever possibly had, including like Nobuo Uematsu and his new wow. band, the Earthbound Papas. Yeah. It, so mm-hmm. I mean, not to, I'm already interrupting your mojo no, here, but like, can you help frame like how big of an event is this? Not just people, but like the actual venue. Because again, most of my experience is either really big packs or very small, like Portland Retro yeah. Game Expo. Uh, last year, it was it was actually quite small. I mean, there were like a, a few thousand or like a couple thousand that went to nine and, I mean, dwindling down towards that. But it was at this uh, Hilton in Alexandria, Virginia, which was actually quite nice. It had like two levels. They had like one, one um, like concert hall, which was kind of small. It was basically like a, like a little uh, panel room that they just sort of fitted to be a stage. And it was nice. There was a big area for all the arcade stuff. Uh, aside from that, though, I mean, it was just big enough for that crowd. But this year, they freaking, like, just ripped the lid open and went to this place called the Gaylord Hotel in National mm-hmm. Harbor. It's, like, right on, like, this huge, like, lake that leads into the ocean. 
And so, like, the sunsets there are beautiful. And this place is honestly the most beautiful building I've ever been to in my life. Like, as soon as you walk wow. in, there is this huge, like, lobby area where, like, first you walk in, like, you see these things, like, draping from the ceiling that are all lit up. And, like, a gigantic, like, sort of light-up Christmas tree thing. But then, like, you walk up to the railing and you look down and there's, like, a whole other level down there that's essentially, like, a mini, like, town square area. That, I mean, like, you go down there like and you walk crossing. around and you feel as if, like, you're walking down, like, I mean, a very small segment, but a city street, basically. And, like, they have a bunch of, like, light-up trees and, like, a fountain in the middle. It's mm-hmm. huge, like, a bunch of, like, restaurants and stores around there. But, yeah, uh, you continue on from there and, I mean, the whole place, like, the ceilings are all high and wide and, like... It, like, the president has been here. This is, like, a, a high-scale, super-classy, super-classy joint. Wow. I'm looking at pictures of it right now on Google. Yeah. It looks... Well, I mean, it looks like it's in D.C., so yeah. it looks very presidential. Yeah. yeah when I, I've seen pictures of past MAGFests, and when I saw... I wanted to go this year, but I just couldn't schedule-wise, but I was looking at pictures and links that people are tweeting. When I saw the venue, it was like, wow, this thing actually looks sort of classy and respectful yeah. not that the not that the previous ones wasn't but it it fell from you know i always remember the stories about the the, the after when things were winding down the the hotel room parties and i almost forgot that oh there's actually a an actual show to this thing so yeah yeah but no like it was definitely a gigantic step up and i mean it showed in many ways pretty much so how many people do you think were there? Or do we know those sorts of stats? Um, I'm actually not sure about that. I can look it up real quick and edit this out Does later. Does it feel really crowded? No, not at all. And, like, the place was, as far as, far as attendance, because of, like, the upscale in, like, the venue, it didn't feel like there were that many more people there. Like, I know, mm. like, as far as, like, the Uematsu concert, there were, like, 2,500 people there alone. So it's, of course, over that. Wow. But I mean, it was... Charlie says in the chat like about six thousand yeah, yeah. people. Wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Did, and did they have like, uh, I don't know, like how Paxos have the, the show floor with yeah. games and stuff? Do they have like an equivalent of whatever you call that, like an expo hall, yeah, is there a dealer I, room? Or yeah, is there yeah, yeah. It was stuff? actually kind of like this one big area, sort of um, like separated by this middle half wall. But yeah, there was like a vendor area where like a bunch of people had set up like little booths for like selling art and shirts and stuff like that. And in the back of that, there was like a big board game area and like a land area behind that. But then the whole other side was where all like the free pit, free play arcade cabinets and consoles were. And now, that was how a long, big area how long, too. How long is the show? Is it like one day or is it two day? Or? Oh no, MAGFest is a four day event actually. Oh, yeah, it starts Thursday and ends Sunday. And how much were you able to, were you there personally? I was there for the whole time. Wow. Uh, I got there around like six or so on Thursday, so I missed most of I, that. But. I get the sense that stuff is happening, like literally there's, it's nonstop, like yeah, 4.30 I, on a Friday, stuff is happening. Yeah, pretty much. Um, like that's the difference really, well, one of the differences between MAGFest and any other show really is that MAGFest is 24 hours. There's always something going on. Like, you can go in and play games around the clock, like, in the free play area. I mean, people, I guess, could have their booths open 24 hours a day, but I'm not sure why they would want to. But, yeah, MAGFest never sleeps. There's always, like, a party going on in the hotels, people walking around. It's It just never ends. 
the one thing I always hear is that everyone gets sick at MacFest. That was yeah. Was, I can see why it's like yeah. a marathon. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I was sick on my own accord because I had the sinus infection. Before you got there. Yeah, pretty much. Since August, so whatever. But yeah, um, I I didn't think too many people got sick, aside from, like, drunk sick. Well, most conventions. Yeah, I mean, like, Pax Pox. But you're sitting up late, drinking, not getting enough rest, not staying hydrated. But one of the things I've noticed from people who go to MAGFest, and a lot of them are, I don't know, friends, buddies, associates, is that... They they really like the feeling of that mm-hmm. show that has like a really good like close group kind of vibe, which I think is interesting because according to Charlie here last year attendance was around three thousand and it doubled and it du- that means it's doubled, so and it still has that feeling. But you hung out with a lot of our our friends and buddies and pals. Tell us uh, who you got to see at the show. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I was staying with uh, the Hey Ash, what you playing guys, including. Uh... Anthony and Ashley Birch, Ashley Davis, um, Justin, I don't know how to pronounce his name, and then their friend uh, Ulysses, and uh, sure Papa Birch that. was also there, but he was in another room, but yeah. You know, so he could bring back ladies. Pretty much, that was his plan, but he mostly just went there to watch football. Um, yeah, so, nice. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that basically happens when they come up is we realize that me and Ashley Davis are essentially visibly the same human being. Like, she walked into the building with, like, a black jacket, like, the same jeans, same shoes, and also a bandana. And, like, we didn't plan this. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but no, we were dressed exactly like, the same. You'd be like, damn girl, you stole my outfit. <laughs> well, no, Anthony Birch was like, yo, Ben, I'm sorry if I start making out with you later. I just, I got confused. <laughs> But no, um, and uh, Papa Birch called me a girl. So, yeah. Yeah, aside from that, um, Starship Amazing was there. Our buddies Derek and Calvin, all the way from Alaska. And it was so great to finally meet Calvin. He is an amazing, oh, man. amazing I'm gentleman. I'm jealous. I'm glad he got out of Alaska. Yeah, yeah. I think he had a good time. I mean, even though he's not too big into video games. But, um, <laughs> aside from that, who else did I meet? Um... I met, oh, I oh yeah, Hex. the extra credits, folks. Well, yeah, first of all, I met a Hex of Nerdapalooza and a Nerdy Show at long last. Oh, and I didn't know they were there. Uh, just Hex and Jana. I didn't meet Jana, but Hex was there, and he was palling around with Charlie, and I bumped into them. And, yeah, shortly after that, I bumped into the extra credits guys and nerded out on them a little bit. But then I, <laughs> I helped them find where they were supposed to get their badges, so I think we were cool in that regard. And uh, later, actually, me and Charlie had a conversation with Daniel Floyd of Extra Credits, and he's open to being on our podcast sometime. So, that might happen. But that's my, you can't hear it, but that's my thumb in the air right now. <laughs> yeah. Even though I'll be super intimidated, but we'll figure something out. But yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, highlights of the show. Your favorite favorite stuff you did. Favorite stuff. Um, I got interviewed, like, in the first 15 minutes of me being there from this dude what? from like, nice. WNES.org. He just asked a bunch of stuff about Fangamer. I was in no way qualified to answer, but I, I, I sort of faked it anyway. Hope you're not listening. Sure, sure you did well. <laughs> no, it, it was fine. I, I told him about the uh, the Final Fantasy VI fan fest that'll be coming eventually. Mm. Um. Aside from that, uh, played some bad video games with Calvin. That was great. I met this cool dude uh, from Liverpool. He came to MAGFest from Liverpool. His name was also Ben. His name was Ben J. Mitchell, and he was super adorable and super nice. Um, met all my chiptune friends, and of course there were chiptune shows um, on Friday and Saturday. 
Um, like I got to see Danimal Cannon, Disaster Piece, uh, The Revengeers, who I never heard of. Uh, Chipper mm, Crit. It's a sweet name. Yeah, though. it is pretty awesome. Um, Chipper Crit, Knife City, and Vert. And Vert. Oh, Vert. Yeah, Vert was there. Yeah, Jake, Jake was in town, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he was really good. But as soon as he started playing, things got really anime con in that in that room. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, what you... because of what he was playing? Well, the, yeah, the, well, the, I guess... Did the maids come out or something? Or... <laughs> well, no, like, the, the glow sticks maids. broke out, and, like, he had, like, this pink hair, and, like, the first song he played had, like, these, like, anime <laughs> voice clips in it. It was good music. It was just like, I'm gonna go sit down for this set. I mean, he's he's really into that. I mean, yeah, that's, it's cool. I, I thought you were saying... It, because I think he's actually played at, like, Otakon, like, mm-hmm. anime con. Yeah, so yeah. He, has a, he has a following um, of, of those type of, the anime dorks, so. Yeah, I mean, it was very, it was very ravey, but still cool. What, what time, what time did it go on? I, I, like, it was like, or... no, it was like one fifty in the afternoon. All the chiptune stuff, aside from, like, this quote-unquote secret chiptune show that happened on midnight one day, there was all, like, it was a part of this high noon chiptune thing that they were doing. Oh, you from mentioned that. To How did that turn out? Like, wasn't that supposed to like crash the party or something like that? Oh no, it was it was good. I mean, it was off oh. in a corner, so like Zen Albatross had to make like a little paper sign that said like chiptunes and an arrow pointing to where it was. But yeah, I can imagine that it was good. But yeah, um, so did you? Uh, did you play something? I did actually, but um, there's a place called Jam Space at MAGFest, and I'm not here to, like, crap on it too much, but I sort of am. Uh, <laughs> As a professional jammer, yeah. maybe you have some perspective on how they could improve their jams or their well, space. Well, I, I think it's more so just a misunderstanding on what I thought Jam Space would be. Jam Space is, like, this whole stage they have set up where they have a bunch of instruments up on stage, and, like, you pretty much go there at any time, and you get a 15-minute spot where you can go up, pick an instrument... You have 15 minutes to just play whatever songs you guys can put together. And um, if you wanted to go up there and play something that was not involving any of that, you pretty much couldn't. And it would involve like going up to like some head honcho guy and trying to work something out with him. And yeah, so Starship Amazing was trying to play a live show that involved Jam Space. So they went up there. We went up there the night before and asked if it would be okay if we went up there and like plugged in a laptop. And they were like, oh yeah, sure, we got the stuff for that, as long as it'll reach. But then we went the next day and they were like, no, you have to talk to this guy. So we were all really bummed out about it. Like I had dragged a bunch of people to go see them, like the Hey Ash, What You Playing guys. And we were all really disappointed until I realized I bought a miniature amp during the MAGFest. <laughs> And so I ran upstairs to the room, grabbed that amp. We just, we asked um, Starship Amazing's friend and lady on staff, Steph, who is super awesome, if we could set up like right in the middle of this lobby area, pretty much like away from the big main lobby, but in... You did like an outside show inside. Basically. Like they put all their gear on like chairs and we just sat in the middle of this area and they played their set and it was phenomenal. Like, they got way more people to stop and listen to them than they ever would at Jam Space. And honestly, just the fact that we can make that happen for them, I was super happy. And, of course, for me later, I also, like, not after their (laughs) set, but it was kind of late at night. I was just like, what the hell? I'm going to play some chiptunes. And so I just plopped the amp down and uh, played some chiptunes. And apparently people liked it. And uh, Derek put a cup up in front of my amp as a joke. And then people threw money in it. And I was like, nice. oh, man, I can buy a hot dog. 
Oh no! Sweet hot dog money. Convenient hot dogs are expensive. They're like seven well, yeah. bucks. Well, I could buy a hot dog here. I could buy a pack of hot dogs from the <laughs> subsidize a, a hot dog oh, okay. purchase yes. in the take near it, future. Take it home. Yes. Yeah, I made like two dollars and twenty six. This is a really basic question, but you know, I know it's a music and gaming festival. But yeah. uh, you know, aside from chip tunes, what are the type of music that's represented at the show? I mean, a lot of like sort of like cover groups. Yeah. And a lot of it sort of falls into like the whole like rock and roll metal uh, cover stuff. And I'm not too big into that, but I mean, I understand like why it's liked and stuff like that. They had, um, I know Temporary or Temp Sound Solutions was there. And uh, they played a cover of this really obscure Japanese um, jazz fusion song that I love. And I have no idea why they would ever cover it. Seeing, uh, it was by a band called T Square. It's a song called Omens of Love. And I get a text from uh, Danimal, Danimal Cannon of Danimal Cannon and uh, Metroid Metal saying, Yo, they just played Omens of Love by T Square. Hmm. And I got really mad because I wasn't there. But later uh, I met up with the guy, Sean Faze, and like I gave him a big old hug, and it was great. But no, aside from that, like the one ups were there. Um, a band called Random Encounter. Who uh, they're pretty much like rock stuff, but they also have like accordion. They're pretty dope. I got their CD. I haven't listened to it yet, but I've heard a couple songs. Um, I didn't like see a whole lot of the actual shows, so I'm not entirely sure of that. But yeah, like the One Ups were my favorite, as well as of course Nobuo Uematsu and the Earthbound Papas, who are the was the flagship act. The Earthbound Papas. Yeah. Was it? Was he their their biggest um, the biggest celebrity that they've had at Manifest <laughs> thus far? I would say so. Okay, I, yeah, I'm not familiar with their... Yeah. No, no, no. They, like, I think last do... year they had, um, I think, Hiroki Kikuta. But, or at some year they had him. I don't know. But, no, I think Uematsu's the best they have done. And probably the best <laughs> they will do. I'm not sure what they're going to do to top that. But yeah, That's pretty ever... good for any side of, kind of oh, show yeah. like yeah. that, to have him there. So. Have you gotten Tommy Talrico yet? No, um, no. <laughs> I mean, Dan Baranowski yeah. was running around. He didn't play anything. Danelle, good buddy from New York, brought Johann Sebastian Joust, and that, of course, is the best time, and I think that was one of the highlights of MAGFest in general. Uh, if no one has heard of that game, it's basically a game where, uh, I mean, it's like jousting, where you have PlayStation Move controllers in your hands, and you have to move around to this music that's playing from the laptop, and you have to, you can't move faster than the music that plays, and the object is to um, like get your other people out by moving their controller by like slapping it or something while still trying to keep yours lit. It's kind of hard to describe; you kind of have to see it, but it's a great time. But apparently, it's the most shunned game of Magfest because like we kept setting up in different places and they kept moving us around until eventually, like we just had to stop because after the third time we got moved. These people were like, oh my god, someone just had a panic attack. We need to rush them through the paramedics through this hallway. And it's like, Wait, someone right, had a okay, panic attack while playing, play, by playing this game? No, like... I think just at the show. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, someone like freaked out and passed out or something. Oh, I was, So it just takes a lot of space to play and finding somewhere to put to do that okay, there. Something yeah. might yeah. be difficult. Huh. So other than that, the show sounds like, I don't know, it's, I've... The more I hear about it, the more I'm like, wow, I want to go to this. All mm-hmm. of our buddies go. It sounds like a good time. Absolutely. It's just such a somewhat odd time of the year to have a show. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because it's like the start of the year. And I know like a lot of you know people's jobs, people are getting yeah. back from vac- vacation. So 
I feel it's sort of the weekend before, well, at least last year, I think, it was the weekend before really any of that happened. At least for me, it worked out well this year because school started today and MAGFest ended yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't too far in the way for that, but I don't know. I think it's a really good way to start off the year. Yeah, I really want to I want to try and go to that sometime. I've never been to anywhere near D.C., so yeah, I would that'd say, be fun. Like, this is the best like show I think I've ever gone to, mostly. Like, just... Yeah feeling the energy from so many people like I admire and that inspire me was just like so inspirational I guess and I don't know I fed a lot off of all like the love and good times and shit and I'm super pumped for this year (laughs) he's getting getting emotional we'll we'll give him a moment there (laughs) so Matt how you been doing how's Uh, how's your week going it's you know it's been fine uh comparatively speaking very uneventful um, I couldn't go to MAGFest <laughs> because um, I started work, um, my normal freelance duties. Uh, I got a new job. I'll talk, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, uh, weekend plans were ruined because everyone got sick here in New York. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I basically... Um, just, you know, it's, I guess the, the temperature here has been so wacky. It was like 60 degrees last week. So that threw everyone out of a loop. Yeah, that's awesome. Everyone got sick, so... I had plan after plan after plan with this one person, this one girl. I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. So I just sat around and played Okami. I finally saw Toy Story 3 on Netflix. Oh, um, what did you think of that? You know what? Like, I'm I'm somewhat of a Pixar hater. I, I really liked it. Um, oh, I me too. I it gets you in that place you're like, oh, man, yeah. can I like this? Am I, am I like, losing, like, man cred? Am I getting, I'm a little weepy here at <laughs> oh, the end no, where they give the toy box away. I don't mind crying at, at movies and stuff like that. But I don't think it was the best of the Toy Story, as some people claim. I think still 2 is the best one. Oh, yeah, my God. Good. The scene, part two, part 2 with the girl, uh, and she's, like, getting abandoned. Oh, that's, like, water. Oh, God. Oh, don't God. even talk about it. I'll cry. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Oh, so, man, um, at the beginning of Up. The only only real game oriented uh, anecdote is I was doing work one day and um, so I live in an apartment in Manhattan and uh, my landlord or the superintendent they hire a, a bug guy to come in once a month just to spray around. It's really not necessary, but it's sort of nice to have and it's you know it's free. So this guy shows up. He's like someone totally different, like a young kid, and you know he sprays around and he goes to my living room and he notices like all the video games I have. He's like, oh wow. He's like. Picking stuff, and you know, I'm, I'm sort of OCD, but you know, I'm not like a total freak about it. But he's got like latex gloves with like and raid in his hands, yeah. probably. Like, Ooh, Final Fantasy is this? Whoa, whoa which one is it? Final Fantasy 12? Oh wow, did you like seven? Yeah, I like nine better. <laughs> and it's like, and I'm also trying. I was trying to get back to work because it was a busy week, but you know, um, I played some new games. Um, I would oh, like yeah? to make recommendations once again. Oh, okay. Well, what well, what systems here? They're both iOS games. Okay, um, okay. let me get my iPad yeah. out here. <laughs> this is mostly for Garrett. All okay. right. The first one is, they're both Japanese named. Um, oh, and you probably heard of the first one. It's It's been making the rounds. Uh, ben, are you aware of Azarashi? No, I'm not. It's the new Pixel game that just came oh. out. And, uh, wow. Is that on you know, iOS? Yeah, it's ninety nine cents for iPhones. Oh, it's not. It's not Cave Story. I'll tell you that. It's totally different, and I think but people who are expecting really Cave Story are going to be really disappointed. But is I'm it gonna, a keychain simulator. Yeah, I don't even want to explain it because you know I want you to savor your full dollar. Um, but the other game, uh, so it was sort of making the, the waves when the arcade version first was revealed in Japan. There's an arcade game where. 
it, it, instead of a controller, it's like a table. And the game is basically you play as a person who's really angry, and you have to flip the table at a certain point to get points. Like you're either an angry dad, you're a salary man who comes home, your kids are annoying, and your wife didn't make food right, and then you flip the table. Or there's various you know circumstances stuff like that. So they made a they made an iPhone version of it, and basically you hold your iPhone or iPad and you flip the phone as high as you can. It uses accelerometers and it's, <laughs> it, it, it gauges how far. It's called Chabudai. It's free. And um, then you destroy it. Yeah, you just make sure you hold, <laughs> on to your, hold on to your phone. So, so. Oh, and also I, uh, I finally beat Snake Eater again on Ooh. the PlayStation 3 version. So. You said again? Chabudai. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I beat it on the PS2 years oh, ago. Okay. Um, and the save file got corrupted. No, that whole memory card was sort of hosed. So, how long did you? Oh, how, how long did you stick on that last action after that final oh, boss? Oh, fight? as long as possible. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, you know, I remember when I first started playing. When I first beat the game, I didn't know like it was just it was just sort of like taking a long time. I'm like, am I supposed to do something here? And <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. Unfortunately, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. So Man, we have a live chat commenting on all this. I forgot. They, did you guys know that Rayman Origins is twenty dollars yes. at Toys R Us, really? mm-hmm. and Best Buy will price match it with a phone call. What? I've heard a lot of positive things about that game. Yeah, me too. It's really. Um, I played it. It's like I just remember playing it at PAX Prime. It was like New Super Mario Brother Wii, but mm-hmm. not quite the same. Not as um, controversially irritating. I just felt that like their emphasis was more on like in New Super Mario Brothers in New Super Mario Brothers ultimately if one person was really lagging behind the game itself helped you out it was up to the actual other players to sort of like you know leave someone behind and screw them over but it, it, I felt when I was playing with multiplayer that the game itself was like it, it was unfair to one person who was really bad at the game whereas in Mario the game itself tries to help that third, fourth person that's lagging. I, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but it just didn't feel as I, I don't know. It didn't feel that good to me. But twenty bucks, I may you know, I may give it a shot. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, let's. Uh, should we finish up here? Do we have any other final things? I don't think we do. Right. Uh, we'll move on. We'll do some fan gamer news. Little uh, audience participation. We have some voicemails we're going to play, but we'll take a short break play some segments or music for you. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, this is Charlie with Audio Candy. I've got a pretty nice backlog of music to share with you, especially since MAGFest. I'll be stringing it out over the next few weeks. There's nothing quite like a live performance to really hammer home the talent of a band. I'd heard Random Encounter before, but I hadn't fallen in love with them until I heard them live. Or specifically when I heard them perform this song live. The track I'm playing is actually by a previous incarnation of Random Encounter called Careless Juba. The only elements they carried over from Careless Juba to Random Encounter were their frontman and accordion player, called Careless, and the band's mythology. The band actually originates from Russia, though they have since moved to Orlando, Florida. Their Russian roots show in several of their tracks, especially their original music, which they sprinkle throughout their albums. 
Their covers come from a wide variety of games, such as this little gem. The band teeters between folk and metal sounds, as the accordion and guitar often take turns in the lead of each song. I like this mix an awful lot, and it makes the band stand out. Having songs with definite hard metal parts and light accordion parts allow me to appreciate both more. Listening to their studio recordings though, I can't help but miss their stage presence. They rocked the stage in black uniforms that conveyed their roots, and brought an energy that only a live show can bring. Today's full song is going to be one of their most folksy, which is the way I tend to lean on the folk to metal scale. This is Random Encounters rendition of Millennial Fair from their album Unavenged. All right, let's uh, move on to Fangamer news. Uh, we got a couple quick items to, to discuss. 
Um, let's see. First up, there was a bit of an issue with our first reprint of the Mother 3 handbook. Uh, if you hopefully you got an email if you did buy the recent version of it. If not, check your spam folder for an email from orders at fangamer.com. Uh, page 89 was missing and duplicated with page 85. Luckily, not super important page, so you don't lose too much how it is. But we know that sucks, so there's two options for anybody who wants to get that fixed. Well, one, you, you immediately get uh, a high-res version of that missing page, so you can see the, the information you're missing. But uh, if you want a replacement page, we can send it to you at free charge, and you get a cool sticker that comes with it. Or if you want us to handle the, the fixing of it, uh, you need to send us an email, orders at fangamer.com, and we'll have to work something out there. Otherwise, if you're like, hey, that's fine, I'll just stay how it is, uh, you can get a $5 coupon, uh, and you can use it in the store. There's no expiration on it, no minimum purchase requirements, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think, and the other big news for Fangamer is PAX East is actually coming up. Uh, we got our booth confirmation, so we will be there again. I think we have a number, but I don't know where it really means we are quite yet. Uh, you should come see us. Three-day passes are they probably sold out by now. They I know they're, they're definitely this, gone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want to go, get your <laughs> passes soon. Oh, shit. Uh, if you're coming from out of town, you better figure out that hotel situation yeah. quick, man, because it's going to get ugly real fast. Uh, let's see. Ben, you PAX Eastbound? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to find a Maybe. badge, but yeah. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Are you going? Well, it's gonna be like last time, where um, I'm gonna get in via press pass, and uh, mm -hmm. you know I'll be around, and I may try to help out in the fan gamer booth if you guys oh, okay. need my That'll help. Okay, be good. It's always good to have someone from the podcast hanging out at the mm -hmm. show. It's good. Uh, let's see. We'll move on to some feedback, fan fan feedback. Maybe that'll be this segment name. Well, actually, I don't know. first of all, we had a new shirt come out. I don't know if you want oh. to talk about that. Very, very last minute, and I don't have any information on it, so that's why I sort of ignored it for right now. Because <laughs> it just we decided to put it in the store like literally last night at the, the staff meeting. Uh, all yeah. I know is it's a Carrie Fry shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's a Carrie Fry shirt called, uh, what is it, Serious Time? Serious uh, let me, something. Let, let me pull up Fangamer.net here. Yeah, it's called Serious Time, and uh, it's a pre-order that'll be going out mid-February, and uh, $6 of that if you buy it between now and Janu January 13th, that is a Friday, uh, $6 of each of those sales go to the Prevent Cancer Foundation, and uh, yeah, Carrie Fry made that shirt, who I also met at MAGFest, as well as Laura MW, I'm sorry for forgetting to say that, they're super cool, anyway, yeah, go do that. Okay. It's a nice shirt. It's really good. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So yeah, Paxi, step out that. We'll do. Let's do our. We got a review from Mike Westfall, aka Sh Schmidt. Schmidt. I don't Schmied. know how to say your name, buddy. Schmidt. Huh? It's Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah. Sure. That's how you say it. Uh, he says he really enjoys the show. He gave us a five star rating, but he had some good feedback for us when he said that a little bit long, but it's mm -hmm. still full of content. We're definitely taking that feedback uh, even before you told us because we're trying to get more condensed, get you know more rapid, pew pew pew, going. And he said uh, Matt needs to get a big boy mic because his uh, <laughs> mic's a little. Uh, you know, he didn't say that exact words, but oh, he, 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 he could improve. Oh, okay, all right. Oh. Um, first <laughs> off, I thought I thought it was Schmitty, but okay. So uh, 
basically, I'm going to get a new mic soon because uh, I got a new job. Drum roll, please. What new job did you get? Uh, I'm going to be starting next Tuesday. I'm going to write for NBC. Whoa! <laughs> well, wow. M- MSNBC, but I'll be writing my video games for their in-game blog. It's a te- Congratulations. Thank you. It, thank you. It's a temporary position. Uh, one of their staff writers, she's on maternity leave, so I'm filling in for her. But um, mm-hmm. who knows? I may They may keep me. I may go to yeah. other pastures once it's uh, once all said and done. Well, but, um, that'll be fun. That still looks yeah. good. It's an interesting audience you'll have. Uh, I will be getting my, my paychecks will be <laughs> cut from the same people who <laughs> also cut um, Tina Fey's paycheck, right? So, um, <laughs> got to think of it like that way, so. So yeah, so that's the that's the big thing from this past week. Just sort of you know dialing in all the details and stuff like that. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, you guys want to do voicemail? Let's do that voicemail. Yes. Let's do some voicemail. Let's do this one where they criticize how we say things. Hello, San Diego podcast. Hire guy or Trey Audrey? I mainly wanted to call into pull a Liz and Ben, as Garrett would say. I'm telling you how to pronounce it. I personally say it, a moderate but I don't want to sound like an uppity jerk and then be totally wrong, but that's all I think. All in all, I really love the podcast. It certainly has brought me together with some great folks and listeners and hosts alike. I'll certainly be playing along with Game Club as I've already completed the second point on our roster. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the game and have a great time playing through it. Or not, as you've already spit some yak on one of my favorite games. A.K.A. Paper Mario. <laughs> uh, you guys are great, and I love what you do, so see you all later. And Ben, it's 20 episodes left of Legend of the Black Series. What happens? Word! Okay. I'm not going to tell you what happens. Bye, guys. Oh, Pyro Guy. He, Thank you, Pyro Guy, for the voicemail. Did he ask like me to tell him what happens? I like that he did call the how crazy you guys get about pronouncing things. I don't miss that at all. Also, <laughs> thanks, thanks for Pyro Guy. I had a, I had a difficult moment in Okami, and he gave me some moral support on Twitter. So, that's, oh, that's uh, good. I really, I really appreciate. So, that. okay, let's let's play the. How do you say the main character in Okami's name, starting with Matt? Oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> Chibimotsu, Ipurumotsu, Adamanatsu. I don't even. You know, I'm bad with names. How do you say it, uh, Ben? Amaterasu. That's how. Yeah, Amaterasu. I'm a Taras. I'm a, a Dr. Saturn says, I'm a yeah. Taras. Yeah, I think, yeah, Dr. Saturn's right, but... P.K. Jova says, pew, 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 wild gun Garrett. And that's not how you say <laughs> it. BT dubs. No. Uh, next voicemail is from... If you guys remember a couple of shows ago, our buddy Face on Chaos has been playing Shadow of the Colossus remake right. for the first time, listening to our original game club's where we discuss the game, and he has finished it and has some some words for us. But first, I need to go yell at my dogs, because they're being bad dogs. Your dogs also have words to say about... They have, well, they are like, no, we don't like that game. It <laughs> has a horse in it, and we like games with dogs. Like, I'll call me. <laughs> All right, let's play this. Hello, Fangamer Podcast crew. Phazon Chaos here again with some final thoughts on Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, some general thoughts on the game. First of all, aggro's controls. I didn't mind them that much. I thought it was kind of cool how it treated it more like you were controlling Wander controlling aggro rather than controlling aggro itself, like how it would be if you're playing Ogre of Time or something, controlling mm-hmm. Epona. But 
I didn't really have much problems with aggro crashing into walls until I tried letting the game control aggro. Because if I was running along near a wall, if I'm using the control stick, it's just fine. But despite the fact that aggro manages to know where to go if you're in a narrow path, if you're running beside a wall, aggro will just be like, nope, I'm going to crash into that wall. <laughs> Too bad for you. So that was kind of annoying, but it was really my own fault for thinking that the game was smart enough to control itself. Um, some other general things. With the fruit, I started getting all the fruit whenever I saw some on the trees, but I don't understand how I could ever possibly need as much health as I had by the end of the game. My health bar went over halfway across the screen, yeah. and apparently it just continues to stack infinitely as you go through multiple playthroughs, so you can just have the health bar going off the screen, and that, that just seems crazy. I don't know <laughs> how you could ever possibly need anywhere near that much health. And speaking of upgrading things, with the grip, the first time I shot the tail off of a lizard, I was completely surprised, because I thought you just had to kill the white tail yeah. lizards and then the tail came off. But once I accidentally just shot the tail, and the tail fell off and the lizard ran away, and I was just sort of sitting there in awe, like, <laughs> how, how did that even happen? Um, for the camera, I didn't really have too much trouble with the camera controls until I got to the final Colossus. Uh -huh. It was fine going up to it, climbing up the Colossus itself, but once I got onto its hands, it was horrible. Yeah. I, I had so much trouble and I could not figure out where I was going, what I had to do. And once I got onto the second hand, like I was so completely confused. I had tried stabbing it, it didn't hold onto it. That was the first time in the game I even needed to use a guide. Um, the ending, unsurprisingly, based on how I enjoyed the rest of the game, uh, like Ben, I like the ending. I won't really explain it much because of spoilers for people who may not have played it, but I did enjoy it. Um, I have been playing along with the Okami Game Club, but I'll leave that for voicemail for next week. So as always, thanks for taking my voicemail, and keep up the great work with the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank yeah. I didn't really think about even because I remember seeing the that you can just sever the tail for yeah. the lizards. I never even thought to bring that up because I was just like, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah, it's just but a like, cool subtle touch. And the Lobo here in the chat, his mind just got blown. Yeah, he's just what? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, um, I'm a bigger fan of that game than I think both you guys combined. And I've never collected any fruit. I've never sure? gotten any lizards. Yeah. By choice, or because you didn't know about it? I didn't know about it, and then I found out about it. I'm like, nah, you know, I think you get enough power and wow, stamina. Core, even like the grip. I find the grip yeah. incredibly yeah, I useful. I find Just the a grip couple is of those. Something you need, but like the health. I mean, no, I, yeah, the health I think is that's, kind of that. That sort of plays into why they don't like explain that's a thing as much. It's just a bonus, I guess, if you do yeah. find it. Oh, I don't. I don't find the game hard, and I'm trying to think back. The cameras in the the last boss. I guess, but it wasn't like... I don't remember I don't personally. Like, no problems are, like, flashing back into my head or anything. But, I don't know. I can see why, because any time you get on those weird terrains that it doesn't know where, if you're yeah, here or yeah. here, and it has to switch back and forth, that makes sense. But I remember I got all the way to the end, I got to the kill in the hands thing, and we were, like, recording, like, in 15 minutes, and I'm like, I'm just not going to make it. I was, like, <laughs> at the very, very end, but... Uh, unfortunately didn't make it to the end but I have made it to the end of many other ones a Lobo I know he's like tis tis right now um, wait to this day okay. you still haven't beaten it no I haven't really 
Carrot. No. So wait, you don't know the ending? No, I know the ending. Uh, I just I haven't actually. Well, you haven't experienced the, the ending. Yeah, Garrett. I guess not. This is different. Well, because once you beat him, though, it's just hanging out. Though you just watch, so that experience. Well, no, there's one more thing to do. Okay, yeah. right, but even then, it's not like huge. It's interesting. Uh, it's pretty huge. It is huge. It's pretty huge. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Try not to, to focus right, on enough, that. Enough. Oh, I'm already super far ahead on Okami Game Club, so know. You know, I'm looking forward to this. So, we're going to take a short break. We're going to get into our Okami Game Club here. It'll be awesome. Stay tuned. We're hey, Ash, what you playing? What I mean, up? fantastic, hey, Ash, what, what you playing? What up? Hello. I'm Anthony Birch. Who's that? The Rush Hour 2. Shit! Let's do it. Okay. So, Okami, let's give a little, do a little background for people who have no idea what Okami, or maybe let's do a little background for, background for Game Club. Let's do some background so for this people is, who don't know what a video game is. Yeah, so we've, uh, <laughs> Game Club, for any new listeners out there who have at least stayed through with us till this point and haven't been like, oh, they're going to talk about a game I'm not playing, I'm turning this off, go back to... <laughs> Isn't my brother, my brother, and me? Um, Which you should do. But yeah, Corey Schmidt's got call out on he there. Did this I, was, week. I was so jealous. That was kind of cool. I was fuming. Um, anyway, Game Club. Uh, I think the original idea came from when it was just me, Liz, and Ben, and people saying, "Have you played this game? Mm-hmm. You guys should do merchandise inspired by this game. What do you think of this game?" And all the answers were, uh, oh. "I don't know. Uh, I haven't played that. Uh, I heard it's cool. <laughs> What's uh, the video I don't know." Again? Yeah, so in an effort to increase our gamer cred, we thought, man, it'd be great if we played more stuff. So we started doing kind of kind of like the fan fests, uh, community playthroughs of games, but more like a book club. So you get a little more critical, try and think about uh, framing the game in context of now. Are you having fun when it first came out? Uh, some of more literary thinking, I would say, where we try and think about what were they trying to portray with certain aspects of the game. Things can get a little, um, I don't know what the word be, not educational? Educational. I think people have said some really interesting things like the Link's Awakening Game Club, yeah. um, comparing when Lobo talked about comparing how different aspects of the mind of the windfish represent different characters yeah. you need. you know, actually... That was really... I was like, wow, that's amazing. Fun fact, it made a lot of sense. Do you know that, act, that Mustin, who left us a voicemail of the one-ups, actually listens to our podcast and didn't just leave yeah. us an email or oh, a voicemail yeah. based said on, that. like, yo, I like Fangamer. Yeah, I met him, <laughs> and he, he actually commented on the Link's Awakening Game Club about how he was, like, really into how, like, philosophical it was. Yeah, that one got really heady in the the best kind of ways. Yeah. I think that was one of my favorite, like I've already said many times, my one of my favorite game clubs. But, um, so we sometimes go to the community to look for games we're all interested in playing together. And this is one that has continued to come up. Uh, people say Okami is a great game, very game club worthy, but it's a very big game. But thanks to some help from, I think it was Pyro Guy and Rune Devros, mm-hmm helped split the game up into some more manageable chunks. Um, and I think we're going to get through it in a pretty even pace, uh, less than it took us to play through Final Fantasy Tactics. So that'll be good. Um, I went through the Wikipedia page for Okami, and I thought it might be good to give some 
basic background information to, to preface this. So Akami originally came out in 2006 in Japan, 2007 in North America for PlayStation 2. Is developed by Clover Studios, who went, uh, who closed <laughs> a few months after the game was initially released, which is unfortunate. Uh, it was published by Capcom, and then uh, a Wii version came out by a different group, produced, developed and produced by Ready at Dawn Tose, uh, and Capcom, and it came out in North America in April 2008, in Europe 2008 as well, and then in Japan after that 2009. So the Wii version. Uh, you can actually use the Wii Mote to kind of do brush strokes. And I think Matt, you played a bit of that one, right? Yeah, I played both of them for a little bit, and then I decided to stay with the PS2 version. Yeah, I think saying okay. you can you can actually use the Wii Mote to do that. You should rephrase this. You have to, unfortunately, use the Wii Mote to do that. <laughs> no, so, oh, well, actually, well, we can talk about this later. I, well, yeah, actually, I, let's talk about it now because I mean, we're not going to get too much more into. I mean, I'll give a little basics of some other things, but. There are two versions of this game. I'm playing PS2. I think Ben's on PS2 no, I'm on as Wii. well. You're on Wii and Matt's PS2. So Matt, you played both a lot, and you said you had some some thoughts about that. So the differences between the two versions. Let's start there. Well, I I don't know if this is really um, relevant or not, but I I find it interesting about how when Okami came out for PS2, it sort of tanked, and then when the Wii came out, the system, everyone thought, you know, this would be perfect for this would be a perfect game. For the platform, but at this point, platform had disbanded. Everyone's doing their own things. They had, um, they were no longer really associated with Capcom. So what Capcom did is they went and they got ready at dawn, and they basically ported the PS2 version to the Wii. But the thing is, they had incomplete source code, so they had to actually recreate a lot of the assets from scratch, mm-hmm. which is pretty obvious when you're playing the game because there's a there's some very significant graphical differences between the PS2 and the Wii version. I think the PS2 version just looks much better. Um, for whatever reason, it was just... That was one of the main reasons why I stopped playing it, because I think Okami is such a beautiful-looking game, and the original artist had such a specific look in terms of what they were looking for, and it just doesn't... It's just not there in the Wii version. That being said, I think the controls are superior on the Wii version. Um, certain basic actions, like just uh, headbutting feels more natural, feels more intuitive. Um, mm-hmm. The camera is much better on the Wii version. I just, one of the problems... I, yeah, the, I don't like the oh camera too God. much. Oh. Yeah, I, There's a lot of problems I have with uh, with Okami. We'll get into that when it's more appropriate. But um, but basically, um, I did some research, and apparently, like I think it's actually in the Wikipedia page, about how, and this sort of doesn't make sense, but there's less room on a Wii disc than there is in a PS2 disc. So certain things had to be sort of, I think, compressed, truncated, which sort of explains why things look sort of muddier or sort of more artifacty. Um, the ending's different. They had to get rid what? of the end. They had to get rid of the end movie in the. This is where it gets really confusing. So the Japanese version, I'm sorry, the American version of We Okami for the Wii came out first, mm-hmm. and the end, the end movie, which has the cinematic. I mean, I haven't beat the game has the Clover logo in it. So because they didn't have rights to that, they didn't have the source material, they had to get rid of everything. They had to get rid of everything. So, okay, there's no original ending in the... And this this sort of correlated why everyone told me, don't play the Wii version. It's gimped because the ending's missing. I'm like, I don't think the ending's missing, missing, but it's... Yeah, Marty says it's only slightly different. Slightly missing. 
Things get more confusing where in Japan, when they made the Wii version, they got Tosei, which is like a very prominent middleware. Um, they basically port one game to another system, and you know they're f fairly well known for that. They actually have sort of a fan base here in America. And they were able to apparently get the original ending and edit out the Clover logo. I don't, I hmm. haven't finished my research on that, but it's really confusing, basically. So it's hmm. like, so that's why, I, that's why, long story short, that's why I chose the PS2 version, is because graphically, um, even though I knew like the camera system and the controls, uh, I have no problems using the paintbrush with the, with the analog stick, personally. Um, in fact, I think I found, I found it a little bit difficult with one particular brushstroke with the Wii remote, but otherwise, it's just, it's a mixed bag. I, it felt better on the Wii, but it just looked better on the PS2, but it just looks so gorgeous on the PS2. I just didn't want to have anything to diminish that experience. You know, it's interesting you talk about how pretty it was. Um, there's a couple things in the Wikipedia article that I did want to touch on in terms of how the game was developed. Usually I like to talk about these sorts of things maybe at the end of the game, after we play through, because I don't want these to kind of spoil your... Um, Kind of academic reading of the game but some of the things that i think i find incredibly interesting that i that i don't think will spoil too much was one when they originally got the idea for the game it was really more of a cool idea of what if we have this wolf running around in a forest with like plants sprouting behind it mm -hmm. and in nature so they really had this cool nature tech demo but they didn't have any idea no what they were to do with it and that's how it started and they branched out from there and sometimes it got a little bit too heavy with lots of different things happening all at once um and they helped them choose art styles because they couldn't do quite the realistic graphics that they did in their tech demo on the ps2 at the time so they went with this more reduced uh, stress on the system art style that matched up more with the kind of the the woodwork or brush uh, Japanese brush stroke style yeah um, which uh, I think is just beautiful and but there's other cool things that happened in their development that I think we'll talk about excuse me after we beat the game but for now I think that's kind of interesting maybe set the seed of this originally was meant to be a game that was pretty that was all they had, <laughs> because that is the first notes I have when I started playing, which was how beautiful it is. Like yeah. Matt was saying, yeah. it's, I, I'm so surprised that this is a PS2 game, because I guess I forget how good PS2 got at the end, yeah. Yeah. but like this game holds up so well artistically, because of the style they chose, it just looks awesome now. Like I took a picture of it and put it on Twitter, and I was like, this game is just beautiful. I'm just like standing over like a village and the wind you can see the wisps in the air and it just looks really really good and the effect when you use the uh, bloom on a tree and the whole area mm -hmm. grows with plants it feels like the best parts of like an anime film or like a Miyazaki film it's yeah, what it, kind of reminds me of because they're always so nature-y I mean it, it reminded me of Princess Mononoke because you know, I haven't seen a movie in a while but there was that one creature whenever it walked it left That's uh, right, yeah. it left foliage just sort of growing and it was sort of wither away and you know, it doesn't wither away in Okami but like when you when you jump and you land there's like new grass yeah, growing stuff sprouts up. Like, yeah exactly so it's very satisfying um, real quick yeah. not to change, talk about another game but I, you know, I was playing Snake Eater on PS3 and then it made me realize Wow, the game really, they didn't really do much with it. This game, it's exactly how it was in the PS2. Then I started playing it on the PS2 again, and it's like, it's a little bit blurrier, it's a little bit grungier, but actually, like, that's why the PS2 is like, I think, at this point, one of my favorite consoles, just because... It had a yeah. long life. Oh yeah. my really? god. 
it really is it's a testament of like if a, if a console is popular and if people really stick with it they can really make it do so many incredible things mm-hmm. and Okami is like in the top three of one of the best looking games of all time for the platform so initial impressions besides it being pretty I would like to hear because from so when I when I kept putting up on Facebook and Twitter and different places that we're starting this new game club and when we did our 2012 or 2011 year re- review or New Year's resolutions, a lot of people said, I want to do a game club. I want to play along with you guys. It sounds really fun. So I'm like, I challenge those people. Come on, play along. It's going to be really fun. Plenty of time to get ready. But then I see a lot in the Facebook comments or even in um, the, the forum thread, people are like, I could never really get into a commie or I tried it and it's just, eh, I didn't really like it. And that I find incredibly surprising. So I wanted to frame that in the conversation start with ben what were your initial impressions of the game well uh when i first originally bought this game and first popped it in like i don't know what the deal was but like there is some weird graphical issue with the wii version where like it feels that sometimes things are like it's almost as if like you're looking at like a 3ds if you were like seeing both images split sometimes it feels like it's like double imaged a little bit slightly yeah and like about. at yeah. the time when I first played it, it was just driving my eyes crazy, so I couldn't play it at the yeah. time, and I didn't touch it again until now. And when I started playing last week, like I really wasn't feeling it starting off. Like I absolutely thought it was a beautiful game and all of that, but I don't, for some reason, like I still felt it was a slow start. Like I feel like the oh, beginning yeah. was it. Like they explained the whole backstory with like Orochi and stuff like that, but. It didn't feel all that compelling at first because, like, I feel like they didn't frame the character as like of Amaterasu as being anyone with like, of course, like that you she, could, she doesn't that you have a personality, yeah. but like she didn't seem to care. She's just like, all right, I'm a wolf, no big deal. I'm gonna sit here fall asleep when you're talking, no big deal. But I don't know, it didn't grab me at the very beginning. Like I thought the okay. um, Susano character was kind of boring, and I still kind of do so far. Maybe he'll redeem himself as time goes on. Like, I think uh, Isun is kind of annoying. I'd say, like, it's not the best start of a game. But, I mean, it's... Okay. As I started playing, like, earlier today, like, it's been getting really good. So, I, yeah. I can when see I why people started, can't get into it. Very similar. I thought it had a very slow start. But one thing I will challenge the people who have a somewhat similar viewpoint, that it was a lot of text. There's no real main character kind of to, to attach yourself to. I still feel that the opening dialogue, hand-holding, getting you up to speed so you can finally play the meaty part of the game is much shorter than a Zelda, which is often the most likely comparison. I feel like Zeldas have a very, like, maybe not as much initial dialogue, Mm -hmm. but a lot of that initial before you get a sword, before you get your shield, before you can finally kind of get the core elements to what you're going to do. I feel like they have a much longer tutorial period than this game did because I felt like I was getting into the, oh, this is the fun stuff much quicker. But that was my impression. Matt, what were your initial impressions? Well, I pretty much have to um, echo um, what you guys have been saying, but the thing is this, and I feel feel almost a little hesitant or uncomfortable even saying this because I know it sounds like I'm sort of talking on my ass, but... I know a lot about Japanese culture. You know, I've watched a lot of uh, Japanese film, like old films. You know mm-hmm. about Japanese folklore, and from what I know about, like the game really does more so than any other video game I've ever played. Really, 
explains or tries to tell a Japanese folklore and the basic conventions of the olden ways, in which mm -hmm. there really are no like interesting, sympathetic characters. These are all basic individuals that are fulfilling a part of a story which are represented as something. That's why the game, like personally, one of the biggest problems, like I don't, none of the characters are compelling. Like they're really, they're not charming. They're not interesting. They're just there. They're vehicles to get the whole motion going along. So, mm -hmm. and it's fairly, it's very long with the way it's sort of explained. Like a lot of Japanese folklores, they sort of explain a lot, but there's a lot of ambiguities, which are, I think, culturally that is sort of missed on, on a lot of us. But the the pacing, the the you know the tempo, the characterizations, you know, if I didn't have such a such a you know affinity for animu, I probably would have gone, oh my god, this game is just like this is not for me. <laughs> you know, but... it's funny you mentioned that because I was kind of through some of those moments. What was getting me through was that Japanese sociological yeah. understanding. Because when we did the Pokemon cast, Pokemon Red Blue. Um, my brother-in-law at the time was taking sociology. He was learning about Japan, and his teacher talked about how Pokemon embodies a lot of Japanese cultural motifs, uh, that no individual can character is important. It's the yeah. team coming together yeah. to defeat yeah. things. Yeah. And now that you mentioned that, that, I did make a couple notes while I was playing that. I found it very interesting that they are representing, like you're saying, Japanese folklore and not necessarily maybe honest is a good term because there's a point during the beginning where they talk about how like Amaterasu is just this dog who kind of doesn't like Ben was saying doesn't kind of care like you know, falling asleep yeah. and like yeah. and during these major dialogue people are like yelling at the dog for for falling asleep well, but that I'll, I'll, um, just to interrupt for a second um, Alobo like he addressed earlier when we were talking about Amaterasu not really caring about anything saying that she is a dog well Amaterasu I believe like. Amaterasu herself is not a dog. She is like, like the almighty like god sun character, god. sun god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's just possessing this dog. Like oh. she, like the dog is just like her vehicle into the world, basically. Interesting. So back when I was saying so her, her, that yeah. that these um, you know Japanese culture, it's not about the individual; it's about the team coming together to do something. All the parts, everyone playing their part. I did think it was interesting from like almost a religious standpoint how Amaterasu is like you're saying is the embodiment of this god, mm -hmm. and you've got um, Susano who's got uh, this I don't know he he's like praying to the gods to help him overcome these different things like he's a oh, sort of strength cut through this rock yeah, right he, he's like so Hercule or Mr Satan in Dragon Ball Z he's like the same yeah, character. So he, but what I thought was really interesting is this idea that he cannot accomplish those things without you. Mm -hmm. You're the one who's actually cutting this stuff for him. Yeah. And he's got like this false sense of, well, no, I just thought that's from a religious standpoint. If you look at it, you're playing the God character and this guy can't do anything without you. But um, it's like this really kind of weird feeble, like he does he believes in higher power but it's just you and you know that he, it's not anything he's doing it's all yeah. you and that i thought was a really interesting kind of dichotomy yeah that, like in, in some together. ways you also sort of need him because he's the, the descendant of like this this famous dude and people like rev, he's rev, like revered and so like you sort of need him as a entryway into what you want to do as a vehicle to do things through what are you gonna say matt i mean uh, i mean obviously 
I haven't beaten the game. I don't know how it ends, but I know I'm going to be disappointed that it's not going to be like a lot of Japanese tales. It's going to be a happy ending. And a lot of these mm -hmm. Japanese tales are sad endings or there are very ironic endings. I know that there's a certain point where he's actually going to do the, the final blow and you won't help him. And I'll be a little, I'll be a little bummed out. Like, you know, I think it should be consistent. A lot of these tales are very consistent in terms of like, you know what? X, Y, Z, these forces are constant. You know, nothing really changes. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed with that. Another thing is there's another character who introduced uh, later on in the, in the game. Um, and it's, he's so clearly a 20th century convention. Because he's bringing all these weird, at least maybe I'm projecting, he's bringing like a conspiratorial aspect to the story, like, Things are not like that. What they seem to be. Where are these? Do, do we not encounter him this part? The, so, just for people, where the schedule that we're going through, this show is going to talk through uh, the opening to the forest dungeon, so yeah. Hana Valley and yeah. to, to uh, ruins. That's yeah. how far we're going yeah. today. Yeah. He's the he's he's the first boss. You want to call him? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, well, we can get to that in a second. But um, but yeah, it's like he's he's like shades of gray, and a lot of these old stories were very black and white. You know, you knew exactly, it was predictable. I mean, that's how a lot of folktales were. It's like, you knew what was going to happen. It's just a reinforcing vehicle for these morality plays and such I, like that. But, but do you think those conventions of those old Japanese folklore series are, like, good and would fare as a good video game? I think it's indicative why the game bombed, both here and in Japan. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't work. I mean, I as like... entertainment. Yeah, as entertainment, it just doesn't work. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Um on a cultural hmm. level, but as a game. But then again, you know, we'll talk about it as a game. Yeah, game, as we you know. progress through, I'd love yeah. to see how that frames our, our, our view yeah. of it because overall, despite what may sound like an overall negative impression, I've been having a wonderful time playing this. I think it's... I think it, I enjoy it more than a Zelda right now because I, I like the change of setting. I like different characters. I like a different world. I don't like the same hookshot mechanic, metal mm. boots, blue tunic, like... I know those very well, and I'm I purely just because they're different. I'm enjoying those, yeah. but um, and I actually thought that I would really dislike the uh, brush mechanics that that would really break up combat. But I actually really enjoy it even now. I, I'm actually already on the third week play point. I put in probably 15 hours, oh, and geez. I'm still really enjoying it. So um, another thing I wanted to touch on back on that uh, like religious kind of viewpoint I was putting up. Uh, the idea that the experience in the game is praise. So you get creatures to praise you because over the years, everyone's lost their faith in the, the gods, I guess, is, is the yeah. story they're telling. Yeah. And so as you do deeds for people, they start praising you and you and the other gods become more powerful. And with that, you level up your character and do things. Um, but I thought that was just kind of an interesting concept of that that sort of religious idea that you must praise these gods to have their favor. But if you think about it, well, if the gods weren't in, in this game, the gods must do something to be praiseworthy. You know what I mean? Like you're having to earn back that mm -hmm. for some reason. And it's like, well, why wouldn't they just praise them all the time? I don't know. I thought that was kind of a weird, yeah, at ends with itself sort of thing Like the game saying you must do something as the dog. You must feed these birds for them to praise you whereas the for the people to be power to be, be safe they needed to have been praising the gods the whole time there's a, there's there a lot of a cultural difference with that too oh definitely i i just think that's really interesting religious wise 
there, there's a lot of weird things in the game that I sort of like. I like it because it's sort of weird. And my my probably my favorite part. I don't know. if This is a question for you guys, but when you're when I when I come across the animal and I, I give it food that it likes. There's that weird scene where you just you're sitting yeah, there. Like Cutscene oh. and it like goes around really pretty, one full circle. Yeah. It's yeah, it is and pretty, it, but it's like weird, like because it has to load that. Well, you have to wait there. It's oddly like intimate. It's very quiet. It's very mm-hmm. serene. And I know you can skip it. I don't skip those. I want to watch this <laughs> rabbit chew on this little thing. And the whole thing, like, okay, I'm a wolf, and I'm looking at this thing that I'm normally supposed to be killing you and eating you as prey, but, like, there's an understanding, like, we're actually representative creatures of whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's just such a weird... My, my big complaint about that is I can't stand the fact that I could just willy-nilly just buy stuff. Like, okay, I can buy fish, I can buy meat. I think I, that's something I should be forced to earn through the yeah. course of a game. It just makes it a little too easy, but you could sort of say, you know, well, you're just buying religious love, and you can... I think that's really projecting in terms of, like, you know, in terms of faith and just simply buying followers and buying worship and such like that. But um, it's definitely one of the better, in my opinion, weirdo parts of the game. So mechanically, the game, like I said, is sometimes compared to a Zelda because it's going on a quest to these open worlds and then kind of into dungeons a little bit. Although they're not quite as cut-and-dry Zelda dungeons where you need to get some objective at the end. Um, but it's kind of that similar feel where it kind of has departures from Zelda. You don't really get a lot of items. I mean, you've got a lot of collectibles. This game has a lot of collectibles, if yeah. you ask me, because there's all the seeds, these different things that you can just sell for money, the different type. There's praise, there's money... Um, there's the ink, there's food that goes into your astral pouch, there's uh, your health, which are the little uh, Orby deals, power-ups. So there's a lot more items than you'd find in a Zelda world that are like consumables, but there are far less like hookshot equivalents. Like you only you get a lot of like weapons, but as far as I can tell, they're very um, they're all very similar. Like they look different, but you either are like a shield weapon or you're a like a whip. chain whip yeah. sort of mm-hmm. weapon. Well, um, are the dungeons okay. are, are the dungeons like puzzleish like because you've obviously played um, it more. Are we, should we be talking about the we're supposed to finish the first dungeon, right? Yeah, well, yeah. that's not important. Well, were we supposed to finish the first dungeon? Yeah, I thought I so, right through Tetsuo ruins, right? Which is technically the first dungeon oh, kind of. I only got two Tetsuo ruins. I'm sorry. Oh, well you and Ben are about the same point. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not too far behind. The first dungeon is a pretty quick little okay. one hour, one and a half. So you guys didn't fight the spider boss then. No, I'm afraid no. not. I'm okay. Sorry. It is very it is Zelda E, but it's it's like the first Zelda dungeon of any Zelda. It, okay. It's pretty light Stay on puzzle. It. Like it's it's pretty simple. Because everyone says that oh it's so Zelda like, but I'm I'm getting more of a Metroid vibe where okay so there's a there's a piece of land and there's a part where I know I'm gonna get it's like the door to Torian. I know I'm supposed to go there eventually, but I can't right now because I don't have the the proper power ups and stuff like that. Yeah, that's stuff I hate. Backtracking. This yeah. game does have a lot yeah. of backtracking. As yeah, you get new that. brush techniques, you go back a lot yeah. to open things up. But um, yeah, it, it's sort of that. But so you've got that open world. You've got these sort of quests you can do for people in the opening town. If you do a lot of those side quests at the, the initial part of the game, you could spend a lot of hours because there's a lot of things to do there. Um, but that, and then you've got combat, which are quite a bit different because when you get into combat it's not you see roaming monsters throughout you see these roaming demon scrolls that you can 
pretty easily avoid for the most part, and you don't actually have to get into combat. Yeah. Once you do start fighting them, it cuts a circle around them where you can't leave without, you know, fighting through the wall or something. Yeah. But then you start fighting them, and you get rated on your combat, kind of RPG-like. So once you beat them, it rates how much damage and how long it took you to defeat the guys. If you defeat them using uh, f- the right uh, breaststroke finishing move, you get uh, demon fang? you get more chance of demons, demon fangs. Yeah. That you that are another currency you can spend on cool items. So, um, I've heard a lot of people saying that another reason they couldn't get into the game was because of the combat. They found it uh, it was very repetitive, and I will agree that there's not a lot of depth to it. But I also don't fight that much. I tend to avoid a lot of the demon scrolls unless I'm bored and want to try something. At least that's me. What about you, Matt? Uh, I think it's absolutely the worst part of the whole game. And, and if really? it, honestly, if it wasn't for Game Club, I would have given up on it a long time ago because it's the fighting is wretched. There's the enemies are boring. The AI is really dumb. Um, it's just that's where like the the painting seems to sort of be a little inconsistent for me. When I try to do like the final slash, doesn't always work for me. Um, there's a way to like the the interesting thing, and I think it's sort of cool. The execution is really not that great. Is once you're trapped in a battle, you can actually break through the barrier and get the get the hell out of dodge but it doesn't always yeah. work but ultimately just i really 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 hate the combat like it wasn't until the fish bad guy showed up i'm like all right at least this is a little bit different he's a little harder to reach because he's sort of jumping up and he grabs on you and he basically becomes a bomb that's sort of interesting i guess and uh, the first boss battle that was the sign of encouragement like all right you know what there is some thought put into the bosses, but when mm-hmm. it comes to the actual melee combat, it's, uh, I find it just so intolerable. Hmm. There, was a, there was a part where like I actually died, and then like I had to sort of backtrack because I didn't save enough, and I'm just trying to avoid battles, and it just these scroll guys are running up to me, and it's just, ugh. I can't emphasize how <laughs> much I hate the battles. Oh, I mean, wow. Okay. Oh. What about you, Ben? How do you feel um, about the battles? At, at first, I didn't like it all that much because I didn't quite understand how it was supposed to work with the Wii, but I've gotten the hang of it now, and it's actually quite satisfying, at least the way it's working right now, because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the ways that you have to get the uh, the demon fangs from a lot of the imps is that you uh, use the, the slash, the slice to like cut them in half before uh, mm-hmm. they die. And so, like, basically, how do you attack with the Wii controllers? That you swing it back and forth, which I mean is a little tiring, but like, there's a certain rhythm to it that, like, it actually goes pretty well with the action that goes on screen. Mm-hmm. So, it and it actually feels quite good. And then once you get to the point where you uh, use your uh, your brush stroke on them in the end, it's like this final. Like swipe across. It's like really final, yeah. and it feels I like really that too, good that to me. That's a sync. Yeah. So I, I've actually been enjoying the battles quite a bit. Uh, I haven't had a problem aside from the beginning, and uh, aside from stuff on my own error, like not knowing you could cut the uh, the uh, the instruments that the red imps hold. Yeah, that took me a while to figure yeah. out too. And, I mean, when they and get to that like, just stone look. Yeah, I just didn't read like any of the scrolls I'd been picking up. But, and I think the uh, the guy with like the uh, the taiko drum I don't like because he's under the ground oh, for too long. And you can't really get him out. Take a while. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only that thing I, I feel really like, like if you start learning the mechanics and the way to do the fights, they all do. They are somewhat gimmicky. Once you know how to fight each guy, it mm-hmm. can 
it can be moving along, but as you get further in the game, there are more and different types of guys, so that might provide some variety, but even, like, I, I don't know, Matt, do you have trouble avoiding the fights? Because I, pretty much any time I don't want to get in a fight, I'm pretty, I'm okay. Well, you know, oh, first off, real quick, like, the way Ben described it now, I feel like I sort of should have stuck with the Wii version, because it's, <laughs> when I was just screwing around, just basically just sort of, like, thrusting in the air, it just felt so much more satisfying, so mm-hmm. that little bit of extra incentive, like, the rhythm thing sounds actually pretty enticing. So, But that being said, the, the battles, you know, I have it's just ingrained in my head where, like, okay, I know I can avoid battles, but I should probably fight as much as possible <laughs> to that mentality. Up. It's the mm. RPG grinding, yeah. JRPG thing. So. But and do, it is but very, do you, you get know, praise from fights? Just money. Yeah, I mean, in that case, like, honestly, I don't even feel there's that much reason. so much yeah. money. What do I need to buy? Like, I feel there's yeah. no real reason to feed? grind That's in this it. game so far. Yeah, when I first met that guy that will teach you techniques if you pay him money, when I realized oh, yeah. I have a lot of money on me, yeah. it's like, wow, I can, I can learn the most powerful thing right now. Matt okay. is flush with the end. He's like, I'm going to go buy some sake. Oh, man, <laughs> as an aside here, all the, the sake talk, I'm like, Man, I used that's like the first thing I ever drank when I first started drinking. Mm-hmm. I should I should revisit sake, Sounds have an authentic Okami experience. So I went and bought some sake, Weird. started drinking it, and it's a pretty decent bottle of sake. I mean, it's about fifteen, sixteen dollars. Nice. Oh, I can't, I can't I do sake. Really? It, like, do you drink it warm? Like, that's kind of well, like no. The only if way, you right? do it warm, it's drinkable. It's very it's very easily palatable because it just tastes hot. But a, a good sake, in theory, you're supposed to be able to drink chilled. Okay. And this is a it's a good sake, so I had it chilled. I'm just it's got that kind of tangy sweet that just. Garrett, ooh, Garrett, I'm a fan. You know what you need to do? You need to get a bottle of yuzu. It's like a citrusy sake. It's more like a shochu. That's what I've been drinking when I'm playing no coffee. Oh yeah. Really? Okay. Okay. Really okay. We'll have to do that. Yuzu. Get some of that. Yuzu is the best. So. Yuzu. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, now they've derailed. Well, I mean, sake is relevant to the game. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a power up, everyone. So that wasn't a complete tangent. Um, oh, well, so we'll basically do a, a short rendition of what the initial story is. Because sure. um, I don't want to talk about every aspect because I don't want to go on too long here. But when you start off the game, there's a lot of dialogue about Okami and the this the dog that Orochi. fought off uh, evil 100 years ago with a legendary warrior this eight-headed demon or- orochi or yeah, I'm not sure yeah, what it is it. Orochi, um, yeah. and that basically it's come back but before the there's a maiden that had to be sacrificed to this demon every year and uh, the legendary warrior was like oh no he wants my girlfriend this year i ain't having that <laughs> so he him and the dog come together and defeat the uh the the demon and it's gone and then they kind of start the game with somebody stealing the legendary sword that I, I guess was like keeping the bad guy yes. a bit. Yeah. People yeah. didn't know. Yeah, the um, sword. And somebody steals that and it unleashes hell on the land because everything just turns to stone. And there's what I think is probably one of the cooler, cooler effects. That demon fog looks mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. It's, it looks very menacing. Can't be um, in it for too long, though. No, you can't. I mean, that'll, it'll kill you. Or water. Oh, man, because yeah. you're the sun god and you go in that water. Man, you, that, that's really. I mean, you're so slow. Yeah. In the water, but yeah. it's like it's like oh no, it's like you have like a tiny little pixel of life left, and you're so close to the edge. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you come back. Uh, you break out of the statue that was the shrine to the Shiranui. dog that defeated them before, and now you are in the adventure to save the land and using your celestial brush strokes to rejuvenate the world and. Uh, as we've talked about, one of my favorite things, as soon as you get the ability to rejuvenate the 
the blimp. saplings. Yeah, the, use yeah. Blimp that's just so cool. Yeah. I mean, that effect when the land becomes all pretty, or or when you go kind of like paper or not Paper Mario, um, Plumber Mario. What is it? The uh, <laughs> the the Mario Sunshine. You got your little water pack and you clean up all the graffiti. Well, you go and you find the patches on the ground of like demon tar uh, and you like color yeah, them in, yeah. and then all of a sudden <laughs> it's trees there instead. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy all that stuff, but. I- um, there's a little initial village that you kind of can peter around in for a while. I was going to ask you guys, so in the initial village, did you guys spend much time talking with the characters, doing any of the side missions, anything like that? Like, Ben, did you spend any time there? Uh, not too long. Like, I I did a little bit of, like, the side stuff, like giving that lady back her, um, like, her little drying pole or doing whatever you had to do with, like, the, the sake lady and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, not really. It wasn't, like, a super exciting super town compelled. i feel it's like really sprawling and it takes a little while to like like when you start off running you start really slow so it takes really yeah. long to like get up any sort of incline unless like you dash first which i didn't know until recently but even then you're still going pretty slow so i don't know i, I sort of got out of there as soon as possible okay. guess- what about you matt did you spend any side missions at the beginning yeah you know i tried uh, doing the turnip stuff you know, trying to get as many turnips mm. before the old the lady. Turnip is kind of tough. It's really tough, and it's like, well, yeah, you know, it, it's it wasn't really pretty compelling. easy if you if you paint over the lady with your brush every time. Even then, it's still yeah. a little tedious. Yeah. Yeah, a little tedious. So, now yeah, you know, I just wanted to just sort of like run full steam ahead. I think you know, it's one of those things where I can come back. I've played enough Zelda. Okay, back to the Zelda comparisons. I played enough Zelda to know that that stuff's still waiting for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, r- right before the fight with Ganon, sorry, Orochi. I'll uh, I'll just do all, I'll I'll help I'll get the, I'll help the old lady trying to do her laundry and then the lady with yeah the, we with should the have some time near the end to go do some of that stuff um, so after you kind of do the initial quest that gets you to out of the main uh, town you help out Susano who you use your celestial brush powers to give him the strength to cut through a rock when really you're the one who's doing all the work in the first place which we've talked about but you get into the kind of the main open field area get into combat for the first time. Start using more of your brush strokes, spending money, that sort of thing. Um, you start meeting more characters here. I mean, I've kind of been purposely avoiding talking to a lot of people because I want to, you know, stay on track, mm-hmm. make sure I get through the next point, and then maybe come back and talk to people. Um, but later on, the first character that I really, really liked and actually took notes about was um, Kokari. So he's the fisherman boy. Whose okay. dog is missing? Yeah, oh. uh, just got to and him. And I, I really like him because, like, I don't know if you guys are fully caught up because you there's this whole story with his dog, and he's sad yeah, that yeah. his dog is gone. Okay, yeah. and his character is just really, really cute. And there are more characters like him, but they're one of the reasons I do enjoy the the characters in this game who aren't um, you know, Kami or Amaterasu in the Isun. The the side characters that follow you, Susano, yeah, he's he's give or take, but these little ancillary characters like this kid, I really think they do a really good job of fleshing him out. And I think uh, as we progress, you'll see there's more of these side characters that are unique and interesting by themselves. Um, yeah. And he's the one that I this guy he's really cute, and his voice sound his, the sound of his voice and his reactions to the way you help him are just great. Like they just they it was one of the times when the actual voice mechanic they use in the game actually i think sounds really good mm. um but i know i can't exactly figure why he's cute because it's not like anime cute he's like little kid cute 
yeah. which is a more universal appeal, I guess. So anyway, I like him a lot. Well, it's funny because I had the complete opposite reaction. Like I think I mentioned earlier, like the characters are so unappealing and unsympathetic, which I think is sort of the point of the situation where, you know, with the boy, mm-hmm. like you literally have to slap him around for being a too much of a crybaby because like, well, you're the one <laughs> yeah. that, etc. like that. But it's like, it's sort of, it's sort of a cool thing where like, I've never played a video game before where all the characters were so full of themselves. Like everyone loves hearing <laughs> themselves. What the guy dancing with the orange in his head, you know, the, um, you know, did the first boss, etc. like that. Everyone's very verbose. And I think, again, that's part of the storytelling convention of the Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just my favorite character, and I hope she's a character, is, you know, the, 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 the psychic lady who lives under the cave? Mm-hmm. You know, who's, is that her daughter in the back corner? Uh, this, oh, man, I don't remember this, talking to a daughter or anything. She doesn't say anything. There's this girl with a gigantic head that's just, like, <laughs> cowering in the corner. It's sort of freaky. <laughs> she's just sort of sitting there. <laughs> And I'm like, what? There's I no reaction. Oh, I, mean, I saw I like kinda... little like figures of people off to the side, but I don't know if that's but, the same but did you, thing you're did, talking about. Did you go to the, the far hallways way to the, either ends of the room? Because like, it's sort of Maybe easy not. to miss. Yeah, just yeah, go yeah, all I didn't the see way. That. Yeah, there's a, there's a big-headed girl that's just sort <laughs> of scary. So. But there's, there's, there's a lot of little touch. Like the fireworks guy, like it's distinctly Chinese music when he's talking what he's playing because you know it's a chinese person with the whole fireworks thing like that mm-hmm. and, um i like the uh again the first boss even though he sort of changes too much 20th century convention yeah, the, with, the Tao master waka yeah. or what his name is yeah, yeah waka. i don't yeah. even write it down yeah but his his dialogue i thought was pretty inspired and his whole yeah. attitude yeah I, I don't know conversely that i find a lot of the dialogue in at least so far in some spots really charming like, especially with characters like Mr. Orange and, like, his, like, sort of street dancing he's got going on at some point in time. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like, I mean, I, I find Isun at this point to be sort of annoying, but a lot of his I find him incredibly annoying, cool. but everyone else I've, I've enjoyed. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel at least, like, some of the characters, like, they don't have... There's not much about them that sort of draws you in, but, like... They're neat characters, at least. Like, the they're, little kid who, like, likes his dog more than you, so you have to prove to him that you're better. I don't know. Like, they just have this way about them that they make, me in a little bit. It's hard to say, but, like, that character makes sense for that who they are. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of times, like in a Zelda, there are so many of these ancillary side characters who are just there to tell you about mm-hmm. a mechanic that they have no personality at all. Like, they're just there. Whereas here, they may be telling about a mechanic of the game, but they, the way they tell you it makes sense for that character, mm-hmm. or the way you interact with them makes sense. Yeah, I like. I don't like them, but they, they serve their purpose so well that I can't hate them, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, that's uh, good. Also, like, I do, I did like the, I guess I should have expected it, the, uh, the sensei guy, the beautiful Joe references. That was like, oh, that was yeah. totally yeah. added. Like, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I guess he asked that. Yeah, he, his head spins around, so his mustache mm-hmm. becomes like the yeah. shape, and he does he does the the the, the pre warm up, henchin' a go go. You you know. Um. Let's see. So you guys, I know that Ben got partway through the uh, the forest dungeon here, and Matt, I take it you're just at the beginning of it then. Um. You know, I just I just. The worst part of the game was the fishing segment. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to just throw the controller against the ground. I hate fishing <laughs> segments in any game, but oh, it was man. like, I'm like, 
honestly, the rule, the next rule for fan gamers, no more games with fishing components. Like, I am, <laughs> I am dead serious, man. I, I feel hate, like I'm usually the I person hate. who has Matt's point of view on the game, and so this is a funny turnabout here, just, what's yeah. going on. Like, honestly, like, when I came to the fishing part, I'm like, oh, are you serious? There's an epic, <laughs> it's not that bad. This is Twilight Princess. This is Sonic Adventure. I, you know, it was short, but I was afraid. Where like after I'm picking up crowfish, for whatever reason, that's when the game all of a sudden my my stroking abilities went out the window. And for whatever reason, <laughs> why 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 is it not connecting? Why is the slash not working? Oh, it has to be complete horizontal slash and stuff like that. But I'm like, oh my god, I hated it. I was so again. I just I went on a tirade on Twitter. And Pyro Guy, thank you very much. Oh, like, no, dude, it's not as bad. It's like, uh. No, I would have, I have to wonder <laughs> how you it off is the on the ledge. Like, oh, oh that's God. funny. Um, yeah. So the first dungeon, like, I don't know if there's a lot to say about it. I feel like it, it is pretty straightforward. It's not too difficult. I liked that because I was like, okay, I'm just going to go through here, see the scenery. Um, I thought the actual spider boss was pretty cool, that mechanic, which... I don't know that I want to spoil for you guys who haven't done it yet, but I think it's, uh, as with most Zelda games, you pick something up in the dungeon that you mm-hmm. use to defeat the boss. But the way they do it and how, um, how did I write this down? That the art style for the Spider Queen boss is rad, and the cutscene after for the tale of how you defeated them is really cool. I like the art style, but the... I don't know. All, a lot of anime does this, and it, I find it incredibly creepy. So they're doing a good job. But yeah. when they do like the evil character, I don't know what it is. Like the, I can't think of a good example. Like in Detective Club, there's a bat. There's a guy who's like your friend the whole game, and turns out to be a creepy dude. And he does this thing where his face goes from like normal anime face to like this creepy, like huge eyes, but really small pupils and like crazy mouth. Like the way they, I don't know. They hit this mark that just creeps the crap out of me and spider boss has a very similar art style to that or something so um it's a good fight and there's a fun little reuniting with the dog and uh the kid and the kid learns something about himself and i found all that very cute i'm looking forward to Uh, it yeah it's good stuff um all right so any final thoughts for the first part of the game or shall we wrap it up here and we'll, we'll we'll be talking about this again in two weeks uh, I just hope Ben. Sorry, we'll start with Ben. We'll go to yeah. Matt. Yeah, I just hope there aren't too many more instances where you have to um, like interject someone else's like efforts with your own like brush strokes. As in, like when um, Mr. Orange was doing his dance, and you had to like bloom all those flowers, <laughs> and if you up. messed up, you had to start all over. And uh, one final thought, which is my, I would say my foremost complaint about this game is that. Why is half of the text not skippable, and why is it oh, so gosh. damn slow? Yeah, I that irritates the piss out of me. And you like, if anything is going to make me not like this game as much as I should, it's going to be that. Like, I have no it, tolerance for that anymore. It's funny that's one thing you brought up because I felt the same way. But when I was reading the Wikipedia entry, they talked about the sheer volume of dialogue that had to be translated for this mm-hmm. game. And like Matt was saying, it's a very traditional Japanese folklore. So there's a lot of things that took a lot more words to explain in English, actually, so uh-huh. that people would understand what was happening. Um, but more specifically, there are certain things that just didn't make sense at all to people because you have to be Japanese to understand yeah, like, that. There's a lot and of... so they had to alter some of that. But it still doesn't explain why, if they had to talk more than in the Japanese version, why you still couldn't 
skip yeah. slow mo. Just push yeah. X. Because like even when you're fast. talking on the overworld, you can at least hold the button if you don't read as slow as a snail. Like, yeah, yeah, it's some pretty slow reading. Um, anyway, uh, okay, Matt, you had some final thoughts for this point. Um, it's, it, you know, it's sort of to touch upon what Ben said. I want there to be a lot more instances. Obviously, I want things to be more skippable and more cohesively done. But I love it's sort of like uh, you know the dude with the sword, where like you're the one cutting everything. I feel like a god. I'm the guy that does everything. Like you know what? <laughs> I'm the reason why this is blooming. I'm the reason why the boulder is being destroyed. Yada yada yada. So um, my biggest, my other big complaint with the game, which I don't think is really immediately noticeable, is the interface inconsistencies. Drives me nuts. How sometimes the thing is, like in Japan, PlayStation Two games, forward actions are the zero button. X is to go back. Yeah, um, oh, I know that. Yeah, but here, like it's halfway through. Like the only games where they allow it to be completely, they don't touch it, are the Metal Gear Solid games. Those yeah. games are like okay, but for here, it's sort of like sloppily. They didn't fix it. They didn't change it. And it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a tiny little thing. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm on I'm the just, Wii, so it's a non-issue for me. Yeah, it's a non-issue and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm hopeful that the battles aren't as annoying. And uh, also, yeah, I'm not thrilled with the slow dialogue speed. It's it does drive me nuts and just eh, you know. I mean, well, say? one thing maybe Matt that you can look forward to that I didn't realize till I read in the forum thread. Arlen's the one who brought it up. I think the first post that I read about it yeah. is that there's a mini game during the loading sequences. Uh, I don't know if you knew about really? this, but no. so. It, the funny thing, though, is when they port it over to the Wii, because the loading sequences are so much faster, yeah. you can't win the minigame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so, I read something like that, but I didn't know what, what it meant. Yeah, exactly. so the minigame, oh. there's there's two of them, I think. There's one where the one I've been able to be successful at is when you see the little paw print loading one, Yeah, yeah. Um, or one of those loading screens, if you just ream on the X button, all of a sudden there'll be paw prints everywhere. And if you can get up to <laughs> 50... Before it loads, you'll see a demon fang appear on the screen, which means you get what? a demon fang. And so, it, I have a I picked up a guide for the game when I was at um, Retro Game Expo, and so it, it it just said to me at one point, it's like at, by this point in the game, you should have the prerequisite fifty demon fangs. I'm like, what? I have like four <laughs> demon fangs. How would I have fifty? And it says if you had been doing the loading screen things, you'll have them by now. And I'm like, what? what? So I go to the forum thread and see that. So if you remon X for the one, you can get demon fangs. And there's a lot of those loading screens. But then there's another one where I think you time X button pushes to win those paw prints are coming down and like go up to the loading icon yeah if you can do that one you can demon fangs there but i haven't been able to time that right and, and get those ones so well, um that might give you something to do during those long ps2 loading that's screens. really cool, i'm I, i'm mostly just looking forward to feeding animals and watching that quiet time between <laughs> that sweet volume you're god that yeah i mean that's really that's the best part about the game I feel like a god in it. And then all of a sudden, seeing all my wacky god friends show up, like, oh, yeah. another monkey. That is kind of cool. Like, it's like, it's been a while. Oh. Yeah, or, okay, but we didn't talk, the, the bear guy who's on the ball sleeping. <laughs> I thought he was going to be a god, but he wasn't. I felt bad, like, to slash him. Like, I thought I yeah. was going to kill him. Like, oh, <laughs> he's asleep. No big deal. The bear guy. That's another thing. Like, when you're feeding, like, when you come up to an animal, like, there's an option to either, like, 
bite or feed. Oh, yeah. And I was confused. Like, well, like, I just fed this rabbit. Is it going to be cruel if I just bite its head off? But I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> oh, I'm no, just grabbing just it by this scuff. The like, scruff uh. and taking it somewhere. Yeah, I used the bite mechanic a bit more later on. But it is funny how, like, everyone, you have the option to pretty much bite them. Yeah, it's like, awesome. really? Do I really need a bite? And people don't get too happy about it sometimes. So Anyway, so those are good final thoughts. Uh, if you haven't been playing along, but you listen to all of this, still plenty of time. We're going to be playing oh, yeah. through this game. I think we're going to be finishing it like the first week in February. Let's go grab a copy, play along with us. It'll be good times. Uh, next week we'll be doing a normal show. But before we do that, we're going to take a moment here, uh, give some final words over to Kevin, and then we'll close out the show. Uh, okay, so let's close out the show. Thanks, Kevin, for those words. Let's see. Quick notes. By the next Game Club podcast, which will be in two weeks, you need to be at, let's see. Oh, man, I'm going to pronounce this. Sian Sian City, part one. So that's Sian City, the second ship, and Imperial Palace through those three things. Um, so that's probably another... I know, 16 hours or so hours of gameplay. So make sure you give yourself ample time to go through that. Um, if you'd like to participate in the cast, we have an Okami Game Club forum thread where a lot of people are posting their thoughts and questions. So it's kind of like when a, a new game comes out and you and all your friends go on the Stormer.net forums and talk <laughs> about it all together. Yeah, it's like that for a game that on. came out years, years ago. ago. <laughs> it's fun where you're... Where you're, you're, you're telling tips about loading screen games um if you'd like to send us email about your experience or just about the show in general podcast at fangamer.com we also like voicemail as you heard earlier in the show you can leave us a voicemail at our skype line 503-446-CAST that's c-a-s-t if you like watching live shows of things you can see the office cam crew in tucson the home officer fangamer uh, on Fridays on Twitch TV slash Fangamer at about 5.30 Pacific time, whatever your local time zone is, I'm sure you can do the math. Uh, next week, we will have some sort of show topic. We haven't decided what it's going to be yet, but we will put up a forum thread, and we'd love to hear back uh, from you on what you think about it. And it'll be good. 2012, starting off strong for everyone at the Tucson office, and Matt and Ben. Good night, everyone. <laughs>